0: Because if you were my four-year-old child, I would never allow for everyone in the room to take your energy to the point that it made you exhausted. And we have to learn to love ourselves that way. It's like, there's a line of people, you're all beautiful, I want the world for you, but I can't give it to you. You have to go home and give it to yourself. I have to go give it to myself right now. I have to feed my body. I have to put my body to sleep. I have to respect my existence. And I think it's hard but important that in whatever sense of a public life you lead, that you begin to respect your existence enough to know that you cannot possibly give a piece of yourself to everyone who wants it, because there would be nothing left.
1: Hey guys, I'm Miles. And I'm Ruthie. And welcome to the Unspoken Podcast, where we believe that saying the unsaid may be the hardest, but one of the most important things we can ever do.
2: Yes. Our authentic self is the best gift that we have to offer this world. But sadly, we live in this culture that tells us that we should
1: hide it. So we would love for you to join us and listen along. And we hope that you might find connection and healing in the courage that no important words go unspoken.
3: Make up fake love, make them all laugh. On, someone, take off your mask. It's nice to me.
1: Today on the podcast, we welcome Sophia Bush. She is an actress, activist, and global education advocate. She recently won a Nelson Mandela Changemaker Award. She has spoken with Michelle Obama to advocate for women and girls. She has marched in DC more times than we can number, and she's traveled the world building schools for underprivileged kids.
2: I am so excited to share my sister Sophia with you guys today. She has been one of the greatest teachers in my life, not by telling me how to live, but just by watching her. I watch the way that she speaks out for the oppressed, the way she stands up for, the way she has been a voice, but also I've just watched the way she loves our community and enters in and holds space for. And she is just obviously crazy intelligent, but she is just one of the most wholehearted, incredible humans that I know. And I'm just so thrilled that we get to share her with you today.
1: I couldn't say it any better than that, blown away by her intellect and her huge heart. But there's so much more to her that I didn't know that I learned in this conversation that I cannot wait for the world to hear.
3: Yes.
0: Oh,
2: my gosh. (laughs) Guys, I can't begin to tell you how excited I am because today, Miles and I are going to be interviewing one of my favorite humans on this here planet Earth, Um, Sophia Bush, but who I call sister or bun. And thank you. Thank you so much for letting us be here. And thank you so much for sharing your time with us. I've been excited
0: about this for weeks. So, you angel, me too, and thank you guys so much for asking me to do this with you. I'm so happy.
3: <laughs> Yay! We're
0: here. We are here. Here, I mean, this is going to be so fun
2: because, like, we obviously know each other very, very, very well. And, um, but I'm so thrilled for. I know that the world knows you for a bazillion things. They know that you're this incredible actress, activist. You like. Audie and I were talking about you yesterday, actually. She's like, she can actually call herself an activist. She's like, she's one of those people that I open my Instagram and you stand up. Like, you would make my dad so proud because he always talks about, like, looking out for the little guy. Like, you are a voice for so many people that don't have a voice. And I just am constantly in awe and just so proud of you. Um, And so, but today, I'm just excited, like... We're going to get to share pieces of you that maybe, you know, everyone doesn't always get to see. And mm-hmm. there's just this tenderness about you that I feel so honored that, like, you have one of the sweetest, most beautiful hearts. And I feel so seen by you. You've given me—your um, friendship is, like, just such a gift. And so I'll stop gushing now, but Thank I'm just you, so sister. thrilled.
0: Thank you so much. I love you. You make me emotional. (laughs) (laughs) Making my eyeballs leak a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah.
1: Say more about that. Why does it make you emotional?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Because to Ruthie's point, to be seen Mm. and known is tremendously valuable. I think that it's the thing that makes life worth living. And I think when you are not seen... It can make life feel really tough. Mm-hmm. And you said something that I thought was really interesting. and it, I first of all, Audie's the best. Um, it's such a meaningful thing when people do see that mm-hmm. the thing I care most about in the world is standing up for things that mm-hmm. that require a voice, be it defending people or supporting people mm-hmm. or showing up for people. But what what I have found interesting is that because I am so often um, standing up and speaking up, there is this assumption that I am just made of Teflon Mm. to strangers. They Mm -hmm. assume that I'm super tough, um, really kind of impenetrable. And I think people who don't know me don't know Mm. how tender I am and how sensitive I am and how it really... I, I understand that I project a, a sort of warrior spirit, and I have that mm-hmm. undoubtedly, but that that means that I also live with my heart on the outside of my body all of the time. And that can be a strange thing for people to understand. Right, And it has manifested in people getting upset with me or frustrated with me or whatever the sort of personal experience might be for somebody when I don't live up to their expectation, mm. but they don't know me. So it's a very strange thing. It's hard enough to make everybody who you know happy, mm-hmm. and nobody can. Like, well, right. none of us are tequila. It's right. just not happening. <laughs> 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 like, that's the only thing I know that really makes everybody happy. But, <laughs> and I wish I te- was, you know, <laughs> but I'm not. So so the, the, the way that that's compounded when you cannot please people who do not know you mm. but who subconsciously believe that they do because they've observed you on a TV in their living room. You've mm-hmm. been in their house with them every week for years and they they read what you write online and they assume that like, well, I know everything about this person. Mm. It's a real weird thing to, to have those people express that you're failing them and you're mm. like I don't even know you. Right. Mm. Um so it it is really meaningful to me when somebody speaks what they see and it touches the parts of me that don't often get seen. That's what's so interesting like I think part of
2: why you speak up so brilliantly and speak out so brilliantly is because I would argue that that warrior spirit is The both and of you being so tender Mm. and so, and like feeling things and seeing injustice and being ripped to shreds over it. Mm -hmm. Like you feel that so very deeply, but then you also have the strength to speak out against it. So it's, you know, you come across as like you are. It, you're, you're the both and because you are so strong. You are, you know, a warrior. You are so brave, and but then also, yes, you are so tender and so soft. And I love your sensitivity. Like it, you help others of us want to like match you and meet you there. You know, like you help me. You've opened my eyes to so many things that I would have missed. Like that's what I, I think about. Oftentimes, like you've given, you've helped me find my voice mm. in a lot of ways and to speak out against things that I might have not even seen.
1: I could honestly just be a passenger for this conversation and, and be full. <laughs> I'm serious. I, mm. I love the way Ruthie, obviously, is one of the best people. On the planet, it's speaking into people's soul mm-hmm. three layers in. Mm-hmm. And she finds the tender, soft, sensitive. And I think that's strength. And something that shocked me, I was telling Ruthie on the way over, we talked for a minute, is I think people probably underestimate, well, maybe they don't, your intellect is ridiculously oh my high. And so I was a little change. intimidated because you're wicked smart. And so, <laughs> so I met you, the story is, I met you probably seven or eight years ago. Mm-hmm. And we went to one dinner together, and then I run into you all these years later, and I just assumed. I was like, there's no way she'll know who I am. She meets a thousand people. Mm-hmm. You didn't just know who I was. You knew what I did. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. talked to me about the value of it, mm-hmm. and you talked. You said, I hadn't really forgotten that. I've really thought about you and what you do since. And I was so touched by that.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And the humanness to you... Uh, just integrated you bring strength and tenderness together and it's what's missing right now i think in our sphere in in business and in politics and i appreciate the fact that you walk both of those lines but i don't know that everybody knows it so Mm -hmm. honestly when we sat down today to or sitting down
0: hold on you're i just i need to acknowledge that thank you there is something to the fact that yeah You're right. A lot of people don't know and people assume that if you work in any kind of industry where people know you that you must just be getting like lavished with love and attention all the time. And one of our best friends is an incredibly talented actor. He's brilliant and bold and I just think the world of him, of Aaron. And he and I have talked about how it's so interesting that Everyone always assumes that everybody calls or that everybody writes about the thing or that everybody will text you when some big thing happens, but everybody assumes everybody's doing it. So mm-hmm. it's very quiet life. Yeah. It, it is. It's kind of a, a quiet existence. And I think that's part of why our friend, our friend group, our, our whole community is so valuable to all of us because mm-hmm. we all provide each other with that yes. exhale, with that space where we can talk about all the all the deep, sticky stuff mm-hmm. i I so appreciate what you said. I, I really guess I'm rambling because i I want to be vocally grateful and I do remember I remember um you you were working with somebody who was in Wilmington, and I was shooting a show there, and a little group of us went to dinner and I remember later you had told me about on site and about what you guys do, and I was so struck by how important that work is. I mean, it's been like almost a decade since mm-hmm. all of that happened. I will never forget wow. any of it. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that is because, like the three of us can sit around and talk very specifically about what each of us is and does and what our hearts are. And and you are the kind of person who you, you laser beam into people and you mm. show up with such a presence and a grace. Mm-hmm. And especially for a man to be as powerful a person as you are and have all of that power present as gentleness. Yes. That is so rare. Yes. I don't know many men mm-hmm. who use their power tenderly. Yeah. And it makes you such an unforgettable soul, mm. and so it touches me so deeply that that seven or eight years ago, you were struck by my being an intellectual. It's my it's like my favorite thing for people to be like, oh, do you think I'm like a d- stupid actress? That's a stereotype you've heard. That's not a thing. <laughs> um, I like to eviscerate that. But <laughs> like, I I want. I guess I just want you to know that that was a, a mutual experience mm-hmm. of like, this is a soul who I see. Mm. And and now I'm like, of course we were going to be friends. Like yeah. the universe always has a plan. It's the best.
1: Thank you.
3: Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank and you.
1: I'm going to do what you did, which is take a breath and receive that. Cause mm-hmm. it, I, I, mm-hmm. And that's what we, we Ruthie and I, talked when we were going to do this, is we want to take time for this. If all we do is affirm people mm. who are doing amazing things, then there is value in that. I mm. think there's a deficit of it out there, and our producers would probably be saying right now, get to the agenda and find out something important. And this is mm. the agenda. Yeah, yeah. Speaking right. into each other's soul. That's incredibly meaningful. Mm-hmm. Thank you.
0: Mm. You're welcome. Mm. I, I love, love you guys.
2: <laughs>
1: we love so well, much. we're five minutes in and we're all crying. I, well, <laughs> I, I love want to, love. to
2: piggyback that with say how, and. Um, Explain how I met you Mm. and how fun and just what this beautiful journey of goodness has been. So basically the story is, I mean, I knew your name, but I didn't know anything. I hadn't seen any of your shows, but I had heard you on a radio station on um, Alternative Nation on XM. You were with Madison. Madison, (laughs) We love you, Madison. We love you, Madison. It's like the only station I listen to. In the car besides the dirtiest hip hop. And I hear you on an interview. And I was like, I kept thinking, I'm like, she is so cool. I feel like we would be, she would be friends with my friends and we would be friends. And I just had this like passing thought as I was listening to you. I'm like, she talks like us, like she gets it, you know? And literally three days later, I wake up and you had blown up my Instagram. I didn't know how it worked. <laughs> <She> had- <laughs> I had likes, like deep likes, deep and likes for Jackie Town, <laughs>
0: and you don't know how that happened. So obviously, I I post long form things on Instagram very often, and I try to encourage vulnerability and and tough conversations. And for whatever reason, like. Three or four days in a row this week, which it turns out is the same week I was hosting Alt Nation with Madison, and you were listening to me. Somebody, like two or three people, had said, Do you follow Ruthie Lindsay? Because you would really like Ruthie Lindsay. Oh my God, I feel like you'd be friends. And I was like, Who is this person? (laughs) I don't know. And and I looked at your thing and I was like, Well, I have one friend from Nashville, Jed. And ironically, you guys hadn't met yet. No. And so, yeah, they hadn't met yet. So no. I am like, well, I gotta figure out what this person is about. And I'm not, obviously, now we know, like I'm not the kind of person who's gonna read your most recent post. I was like, I gotta see like, how, how long does it last? So I go back, I'm like sitting in a car. Co- I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know if I'm <laughs> on a plane or like. <gasps> so I'm just like going through her Instagram, like reading all the stuff. I'm like, oh, she's funny. Oh, she's cool. Oh, this is neat. And I, for, just to clarify something, I don't ever see a photo on Instagram and not like it. Like, if I haven't liked a photo, it's because I haven't seen it. I like everybody's photos. I don't withhold my likes. I don't try to curate my likes so that people following me just see three things. Like, give me a break. If if I follow you and I see your thing, I'm going to love it. I'm probably going to comment on it. It's probably going to be full of emojis. Like, I'm going to give you all the hearts. All the love. But I didn't know because I've never had my notifications on because my uh, the one when I first signed up for Instagram and the 10 minutes before I learned how to turn them off my phone exploded. So, I didn't think she would have notify like I don't even I didn't even think it was a thing. So then she was like, "Oh my god, you liked so many of my pictures." And I was like, "Oh, that's what people talk about when like you're flirting with like a boy and you like a, got it because I just didn't I've never used the internet in that in that way. Um, and I was like, yep, hi, I'm your new internet soccer friend. <laughs> How are you? I really like
2: all the things you write. Well, it, it was just so cute. And I was like, oh my gosh, I see you, universe. This is mm-hmm. crazy. She was just on my radar and we met and you totally changed that whole God doesn't give with both hands. I'm like, <laughs> uh, update? He did once because <laughs> Sophia Bush is alive. Like you... And since then, it's just been the sweetest gift. Sure. Like your friendship, mm. oh, like it's been such an honor and a privilege to get to navigate through this life with you. And we've been so lucky. Like we've gotten to speak. To, I mean, my, some of my favorite talks I've ever gotten to be a part of mm. were with you.
1: Like I've seen you all speak together. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's, it's powerful.
2: It's my favorite. Well, because you bring such a different element. like. A, you're 80 billion times more intelligent than I'll ever be in my life. I'm like, wait, will you explain those words? What does that mean? Teach me things. But you you are like Clarissa Explains It All, where you know so much about so much, and I know very little about a very few things, and it just blows my mind. Okay, have a, we have some questions that I would love for you to tell me something that you're excited about right now.
0: Mm. I'm excited to be curious again, hmm. I have been going nonstop for 15 years and it's funny because I think also there's, there's sort of an idea out there that working in a creative job is kind of lucky and you're very taken care of and then people come to visit me on set and they're like, this is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> how much longer and i'm mm-hmm. like 13 more hours and they're mm-hmm. like how do you do this every day um and it makes me laugh cuz the thing is it is it's really it's rough it's mm-hmm. like not an easy job or life you can make it look super fun when like the press crew comes to do like the dvd extras like hi that's your job um but it's it's a grind mm-hmm. that really just energetically wears you down you know when yeah. you're at work like 16 18 hours a day and you do that 10 months a year, and then you do that for 15 years, it's like, you you get pretty shot. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that that feeling of, of being burnt out mm-hmm. was exacerbated by the energy of my last job. Mm. And when I quit, nobody could believe it. People were just like, you don't do that, and you don't quit that job. And what are you thinking? And I was like, I, these, I have this list of reasons why I cannot stay. And it is not even I don't want to stay. It is an I cannot stay. <laughs> and so I left and I was so just worked that I needed to flail around a little bit. You know, I, I would work here and there and we'd, we'd travel and we'd speak. And and what I started doing was taking more space for myself. Mm-hmm. So, so rather than doing what I'd done for 15 years, which was fly somewhere very late at night and do the thing I needed to do in the morning and then fly back to work um, or fly somewhere very early in the morning and do the thing I needed to do that night and then fly back very early the next day, instead of being uh, both leaving and returning within a 24-hour time period I started setting more boundaries. Mm-hmm. So it was like, okay, I'm going to go and do this day of work in Austin. Well, we're going to go to Austin for 5 days. Right. And we're going to see friends on the weekend and I'm going to see my family who's there and we're going to spend a day out on the lake and it started to be very healing. Mm-hmm. And there were many months of sort of travel and dinners and adventures and 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 still work, you know, when you're not filming you're like you're in all these meetings all of the time and you're just like I mean the stack of scripts I was like this is comical this is like a cartoon but I really tried to set more space
3: Mm.
0: and for a while I wasn't very good at it and I'm getting better at it Um, but now finally after a couple of months of just existing on my own schedule for the first time since I was in college And letting that kind of burnt out feeling process through my body, Mm. it's like I've shed that layer of skin. And Mm. in the last month, I'm like, oh, I think I might want to go back to work. And like I passed on all the pilots this year. I just said, I don't want to do any of these. I'm not ready. I'm very fortunate. i I really connected with some excellent executives at a studio and I, I have a development deal. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm developing stuff and, and that's a whole other thing. But there were shows I could have done if I wanted to just jump into something that was already developed by somebody else. And I just was like, I had to listen to that little voice inside of me that was like, no,
3: mm-hmm.
0: not yet. And I was like, I'm not ready yet.
3: I'm just not. I'm not, uh-huh.
0: I'm not healed yet. Just in the last couple of weeks, I'm getting up in the morning and I'm like, I kind of want to go to work. Ooh, <laughs> that feels fun,
3: yeah. you know? Because
0: I I have a boundless curiosity for the world, mm-hmm. but I I don't turn that lens on myself mm. probably as frequently as I should. And now I'm like, ooh, but me, me, and the me in here is curious mm. for me. Like, what's my thing gonna be? Yeah, what's my what's my next story I'm going to tell? Oh, and that feels really, it just feels nice mm-hmm. to to feel curious.
1: With the margin you've created to open up the curiosity to kind mm-hmm. of go inward and introspect on you and your process, what, mm-hmm. if, what surprised you about you that you didn't know before when you were in the hustle?
0: I am an excellent avoider mm-hmm. because I'm I was such a professional procrastinator in a way. I I always took too many courses in college, and so I would have a 12-page dissertation due on a Thursday at 11 a.m. and I would I wouldn't I just wouldn't have time to really dig into it. I'd do some research here and there, but I would always inevitably start my paper on like Tuesday or Wednesday morning, and sometimes I'd write for 24 hours and go to class and turn something in. And I'll never forget, I had a professor at USC, Christopher Smith, he still teaches there. If any of you listening are going there, take communications 499, it'll change your life. <laughs> um, <laughs> Christopher Smith was the first person who ever read my writing and said, when, when you wanna get published, let me help you. Mm. Wow. And I was like, oh, I understand that that's a pretty incredible compliment to be given, but but just logistically, Uh, on on the logistics side of it. Okay. So I turned in this thing that my professor thinks I could publish, but I didn't start it (laughs) until the day before it was due. Awesome. Um, also like there's something there that works for me, something about having almost too many things to do. And, and a lot of pressure pushes me to really hone it and shape it. And just like, get it done. It helps me be more intuitive because I don't have time to overthink. And being intellectual is tricky because when you can argue the validity of any argument or any choice, it becomes impossible to choose. So making choices last minute has always felt easy, like it's the way to go. But the trick is if you can use that like quote procrastination to help push you
3: Mm. when you
0: have a lot going on, that can be interesting When you know that you can do things at the last minute so you avoid dealing with things in the present, that becomes toxic. Mm. When you stay in a relationship for too long because you don't want to break somebody's heart, that's avoiding. Mm. When you give somebody too many chances despite them having shown you exactly who they are, thank you, Maya Angelou, that's avoiding. And so I think that it's been very interesting for me to start to learn that the other side of the coin of being the girl who can do it all is really that I don't do it well in certain aspects of how I take care of myself. Because what happens when you avoid making the difficult decision to break somebody's heart or you avoid getting out of a situation because it's not going to change or you avoid having a conversation with somebody who has wounded you is that you carry them for so long that you wind up torturing yourself. Yeah, you
1: internalize it.
0: You torture yourself. You walk through your days in pain. You walk through your days feeling frustrated. You walk through your days with this conversation you want to have with somebody looping in the back of your head. Mm -hmm. And when you're as busy as so many of us are, it's easy because you're like, but I have this meeting and this appointment and this other meeting and I have to read this and then I've got this dinner and that. There's always a reason that you can avoid something. Mm -hmm. But... What I've really had to learn has been that that thing that can be strong, being able to carry it, actually just puts me in a position where I'm I'm living kind of sick. Mm. You know, it would be like eating gluten every day and you know you're allergic to it and you make yourself sick and then you're living Mm. in a sick body. You're living in a body Mm. that's in pain. When I am avoiding something because it might be hard, I realize that that is forcing me to carry pain. Mm. And it's been an interesting thing to wake up to because I've realized just how much pain I've been willing to carry because I'm strong enough to do it. Just because I can doesn't mean I should. Right,
1: Pain uh, relationally?
0: Yeah, you know, it depends. My wonderful therapist said something to me. She said, you know, we talk a lot about how... um, research has proven that women's pain isn't taken as seriously. You go to the hospital and they won't run the tests on you that they would run on miles if you guys were complaining of the same thing. Mm. They do not, people just don't listen to women's pain. And there's a, that notion of a threshold and the irony that they don't listen to women's pain when women are the ones who literally give birth. It's like women can handle more pain than men. So perhaps take them seriously when they say that they're in it. Um, my my therapist referenced that whole thing. And we were laughing about it, and and she said, you know, if you think about a pain threshold, you also have to think about you have to think about it as a tolerance. Like some people have a high pain tolerance, fine. Why do you have such a high misery tolerance? Mm. Why are you willing to carry things you shouldn't to make sure everyone else in a situation is okay. happy? Yeah. And I, and I don't know where that comes from. I absorbed that, that thing of needing to be a safe space for other people. And in many ways, to your point, like in our friendships, it's the safest thing in the world. Mm -hmm. That's what makes me feel like I can exhale. That's what makes me feel like I can say anything. Mm -hmm. So it's been curious to see how in certain professional spaces Mm -hmm. it manifests differently. And rather than, feeling safe enough to say the thing I need to say immediately, I'll carry it and I'll suffer it if everyone else seems like they're okay. Mm. And that's not actually my cross to bear,
3: right?
0: Like I don't, I grew up being a camp counselor. So I I think I I have this thing ever since I was little where I'm like, I got to take care of everybody and make Mm -hmm. sure everybody's okay. And, And, you know, they say when the masks drop on the plane, you're supposed to put your mask on first. I haven't done that. Mm-hmm. I have never put my mask on first in a, in that sort of larger setting. And that's an interesting lesson. Why can you do something with your friends in your personal space that you don't seem to do in your life? Why do you, why do we protect people who don't deserve it? Or maybe give grace to people who've proven that they don't deserve, deserve it. Yeah. You know, there's there's an interesting thing there and I think it goes back to wanting to be a good girl and to women being taught to people please and especially in you know in an industry like mine where you're expected to be on all of the time it's it's shattering to be on all of the time yes. and to be carrying all of the kind of politics of it all
1: I think it's important and thank you for for sharing mm-hmm. part yeah. of your personal journey there because when I did try to take a look at a couple of interviews and it was, it was interesting with you. Like most of our guests, when they've been interviewed, obviously they talk about what they do. Mm. And then our whole effort is people want to know who you are.
3: Mm-hmm. And in
1: yours, we got, your interviews are mostly about your advocacy mm. and not about what you've done as an actress. And I thought that is so cool. Like there's several <laughs> interviews out there living that are doing, they're really good by the way. They talk about your passion as an, you know, advocate. And, So in a sense, that's your part of your profession. Mm. I know it's your personal passion, but Mm -hmm. you've really turned it into like, hey, I'm going to talk about that as a vocation as much as I do about me being.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's funny because you'll hear that. I, I, I see this thing and I'm sure you've heard people talking about it, especially as the world has fallen into this sort of political mess. People really love to tell entertainers. It's like you say something about what you believe about the current system in power or the state of the world. And that's my right as a citizen. And people will go stick to acting. <laughs> and I'm like, stick to bank telling or whatever you do. Like, <laughs> I don't know what you do. And it's funny because in, in a weird way, when you're an actor, people assume it's who you are. Exactly. Yeah. My job is just what I do. Right. It is not who I am. I love my job yeah. on the days and in the moments when it is most alive. Yeah. Mm. But on a lot of other days, it's just a job. Like we go in, people are tired, everybody's cranky, the thing isn't that good, everybody's annoyed, you got to <laughs> make your day anyway. It's like there are moments of profundity, but it's also very often a job.
3: Mm.
0: And so I think it's been important for me in a way to try to break the fourth wall, there, mm-hmm. there's no difference. Um, there are people who I think do the job so well and so beautifully that that their, you know, talent or their communication skills, really, because that's what being an actor is—it's knowing how to communicate. Those are people I kind of want to lift up.
1: with platforms who've used Mm -hmm. them wisely which Mm -hmm. i see you doing uh, people don't know the human behind the Mm -hmm. activist Mm -hmm. or the human behind the actor or the human Mm -hmm. and that's what i when i've as i've gotten to know the human sitting here three feet from you looking into your eyes i think it makes you wonder because i watch you know i follow you and what you say and you're outspoken about what you're advocating for but you also will put it in context and say hey i may be talking about gun regulation, but I'm a sharpshooter. I'm a gun owner. Mm-hmm. I love how you contextualize it. Mm. But I think some people, because your voice is strong and loud, they don't see the soft and tender. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they see the humanness.
3: Yeah.
1: And that's what I'm hoping we can do because I've seen the humanness. And when I know mm. you and your heart, my I, I listen and I learn and I lean in. And I want more people to listen, learn, and lean into you because you've yeah. got a powerful message. That's
0: right. Thanks. I don't know. I don't. I don't know how else to do it. And I certainly don't claim to have all the answers, but especially on, you know, if we talk an issue like gun regulation and you see people just eviscerating each other. I mean, you see grown adults going after children who just watched 17 of their best friends get massacred. Grown adults. And for what? Mm -hmm. You know, it just, it seems so insane. And And there's been this popularization of polarization that has made Mm. people forget that there's human beings on both sides of this stuff and so i'm very grateful for the times when i can argue in a way both sides of a point
3: Mm.
0: i can be like hey i'm i'm a gun owner like i was on the range three days before parkland with a bunch of friends and a buddy who's a military green Beret, and we were shooting ars i love that gun Mm. it's really fun to shoot and you know why it's fun to shoot? Because it's been marketed to us through, you know, the the idea that everybody can kind of be like a cowboy hero. Every single one of us saw American Sniper and loved the movie. And But it's like, yeah, because it's a movie about the military. Like that, those are the people who deserve those weapons. Mm. Why do we need them? And if you really love them, go play, quote unquote, with them at a gun range. Mm. I'm happy to do that. I'm happy to go in and like work on my on – my, spread and check it back in at the end of the day. And so I know that there aren't a lot of people who are viewed as quote unquote liberals, um, who people think know what they're talking about when it comes to weapons in general. And I'm happy to stick my neck out on the line for that and try to get people on both sides talking to each Mm -hmm. other. But when you stick your neck out, a lot of people want to come for you with an ax and it's, it's an interesting experience.
2: (laughs) I think- those conversations of two different sides, like why mm-hmm. we love the new Queer Eye, it's Ugh. like it is so. That episode with the policeman, oh, I oh cried. I have watched it three times. Me too. And it's so moving to see this white policeman in the South talking to an African American gay man who are coming from very polar opposite belief systems, mm-hmm. and how the love. I just got the chills down my left leg. That means it's important. Mm -hmm. It's so beautiful. Like to watch Mm -hmm. them both have their eyes open and be like, just because you have a sign in your, you know, your garage that says make America great again, and you're a policeman, and I've been triggered by all of these things, like you are a great human with Mm. the biggest heart. Like they fell in love with each other as
0: humans. Mm -hmm. And it was
2: profound.
0: Yeah. I mean to watch that police officer get choked up yes. and say that his favorite experience of the whole week that he worked with those guys and fell in love with all those guys. Yes. And you know, I I've had a lot of those conversations. Mm-hmm. I spent four years working with the Chicago police. Right. And and when I talked about Stephon Clark, I was like, I don't, I don't care if you know. And love police officers and believe in them. I do too. Yeah. But this is wrong. Yeah. This is wrong. Yeah. And it's so sad how many times we've had to have that conversation. But like when a killing like that happens, the first person I talk to about it is my technical advisor. Mm. I call him up and I go, talk to me, man. And he's like, I know. Mm. And he's devastated too. Yeah. And, and there has to be a way, and, and President Obama said it so beautifully. He said, you can support and believe in the police and still know that they must be held accountable. Mm-hmm. Both and. Mm-hmm. Things can simultaneously be true. Mm. Yeah. Do we value those who protect and serve? Yes. yes. Do we understand that our system Something is deeply wrong in our system, in our psychological stories that we tell, in our societal stories that we tell, and that a system needs to be rehabbed, Mm. yes. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with saying that both of
2: those things are true. That's Mm. right. And we're not pointing fingers and making someone the monster here. Like, it's the both and, like Mm -hmm. you said, that both are true,
3: Mm -hmm.
2: you know? And that's what I know that I am a part of this problem. Because with everything that's happening in politics, I can very easily like just, you know, demonize the other and be like, what are you thinking? Like, what Mm. is, you know, and it's so easy. And I, like the news that I want, everything feeds my narrative. Mm. And so it's so important. Like, that's why that conversation in that car was so important. And that's why, Mm. you know, it's amazing. Like my family voted differently for me. And I know those are the most incredible humans I've ever met on the planet, you know? Mm-hmm. And so when you can have that open mind, like these are the big hearted humans and we can see things differently and come to a mutual, I, I don't know, it's, it's so rare though. Mm. It's so, because I remember when Trump was elected, I'm like, wait, because every human in my life that was speaking into my life, we all thought the same about it. I don't have very many people that think drastically differently mm-hmm. from me in my day in, day out life. And so that was a real conviction for me, because I'm like, whoa, how is it possible that this man became president? Mm -hmm. Everyone I know, everyone speaking to me was like, he's a joke. He's a Mm -hmm. cartoon, you know? And so then all of a sudden you're like, whoa, I'm missing something. You know, Mm -hmm. I need to... I don't know. I think just... I I appreciate like what Miles was saying, that conversation that you're willing to, you want to look into the both Mm -hmm. end. And it's hard to do. Well, I think it's
1: harder for for you specifically because I do it. I mean, I'm an outdoorsman. I grew up in the South. I Mm -hmm. we didn't, the little town I grew up in, we didn't have much of an arts program. So you had a choice as a guy, be an athlete, be an outdoorsman or be an outcast. Mm -hmm. And so I chose the other two and I didn't really get introduced to the other parts of my senses and emotions until Mm -hmm. into my 20s. Mm -hmm. After I'd bottled them up so long, I crashed. And finally, you know, right people came around me at the right time. Yeah. I woke up, um, after battling some depression and anxiety and found all the parts to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm just now trying to learn how to integrate them all. Isn't still. It
0: interesting. It's hard. I'm you know, work
1: in progress, but it's, it's amazing. But I'm, I still love to hunt and, yeah. and I've, I'm a gun owner and, and I've got good friends on both sides of the aisle, but I don't speak out as much about it. Okay. Nor if I, you know, if I did, I don't know that I did. I don't have to be people that hear me as hear you because you've got such a big platform. So it's easier for me to h- humanize the topic. I really want to know, like, who's the woman behind the message? I know about your advocacy. I know about your acting because I've, I've listened you talk about both. It's amazing. But I, I think yeah. a lot of the trolls and you particularly draw a lot because you're not scared of the edge. You'll push to the edge and say the unsaid, mm. which is what the Unspoken podcast is all about. And and you're drawing out people who have insecurity, fear. I mean, if you look at people who would bring hate towards you, mm. it people likely if you dug into their story, they're people struggling with their own insecurities and their own fear, and they're putting it out, manifesting it sideways yeah. towards you. Because mm-hmm. in a way, I've heard you say before, people think Hollywood is out of touch, but. In some ways, Hollywood is, is pretty well traveled. Yeah. You get a unique perspective on the world because yeah. one way or another, you've been positioned to go in every part of the country, mm-hmm. travel more than most in and out yeah. of the country. So you get an empathetic perspective mm. towards humankind.
0: Mm-hmm. And I actually think that that's why people go like, why is Hollywood so involved in causes? Because we see all of it. Because anyone who, who travels by profession gets to experience such a, a landscape of what our country is, what our world looks like. And I remember somebody saying like something along the lines of like, what do you know about what the average guy goes through? And I was like, do you know that I go to work with 200 guys who are in a union every day? Mm. Transpo drivers, dudes in construction, guys who haul equipment, a couple of rad ladies, like nobody's flush." Uh no nobody's like being fed grapes by anybody else. I mean people are doing like hard mm-hmm. backbreaking work. And yeah, I talked to them about what their insurance looks like. And yes, I know what it looks like when when we're talking about benefits. I mean a, a camera operator and a camera assistant on my last show are married and they had a baby and there's no maternity or paternity leave. Mm. So to be off work, they both just stopped making money. Mm -hmm. No coverage, no help. I called up my whole cast and I asked everybody for X amount of dollars and everybody showed up and gave me the check and I cashed Mm -hmm. all the checks and handed them an envelope with like a fat wad of cash and a note from all of us. And we were just like this in no way, shape or form covers six weeks of maternity leave. But like, shit, we really hope it helps. Mm -hmm. Like that's how much we care. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and I do think that when you know, I mean, I've lived in small town, North Carolina, and I've lived in Chicago and I'm from LA, but I also grew up in a 5,000 person town in central California. My dad is from Montreal and spent his whole life on like a tiny farm outside of that city. And my mom grew up in Jersey and like I don't know. I've I've had the for, the good fortune of traveling to a lot of places mm-hmm. and just meeting a lot of families
3: mm-hmm.
0: and knowing a lot of people. And yeah, everybody basically wants the same thing. Yeah. And there has been a I think a polarizing of the issues because it it's what garners people attention. Mm-hmm. And the politicians running realize if they can make people fight, they can really divide people and then potentially win more votes the networks have followed suit because reality tv does real well and it does better on the news than or on tv than the news does so Mm -hmm. now the news is basically a disastrous reality tv i mean good god the pundits on fox just admitted that they're not a news program they were like we are an entertainment show fox news is entertainment it's not the act it's not the news i'm like what you know um President Obama said this thing about how if you listen to Fox News, you live on a different planet than if you listen to NPR. That like, and people on NPR don't know what's going on. And it turned into a whole thing where they were they reported like, Obama says Fox News is on another planet, and it's like, but that's not what he said. (laughs) Mm. You know, so there there is this popularization of this insane fighting. Yeah, and I think it encourages people to fight with people like that. Mm -hmm. It's why people talk to me the way they do. And people don't realize that it's harmful. You know, people don't, uh, I I just met this really sweet group of girls the other day and, and they posted this photo and said like how much fun we'd had. And we did. We just like, you know, when you have one of those moments with a stranger that just makes your whole day, like that was the moment that mm-hmm. I had. And some troll who like literally made an account just to troll me responded and was like, I met her and she was the biggest bitch. She's not who you think she is. Da, 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 da. And it it like broke my heart. I thought about it for days. And then mm. I also was like, you know what? Screw you. Who's to say that you met me on a day where I just wasn't having a good day? Or were you one of those people who walked up to me and grabbed my body and startled me? And then sorry, it's wrecked. I don't know how to be your friend. Yeah, I don't know you. I've and you watched
2: just, people do that. And it, it's terrifying. It's
0: terrifying. And it's so violating. And I know that they don't mean it but that ruins my day yeah so i'm like you know what i ruined your day maybe you ruined mine cool guess we have to call it even again i'm not tequila it's just like i can't be well, no, i think
1: i think people need to hear that because there are a lot of especially young boys mm. and girls that get bullied online whether mm. they have platforms or not and mm. to hear somebody like you who's got over three million followers and it still affects you oh you're my human. god it, it keeps your, me up
0: at night yeah the shit people say to me yeah It is astonishing. And look, when you think about it, we haven't had these tools for that long. It's been less than a decade. Mm -hmm. Words have had meaning in our society, in our language for tens of thousands of years. Part of the reason that I, the, the, the poetic side of being an actor to me, of being a storyteller, is that before humans had written language, we passed every single thing we knew about living through story. through story and dance and acting. Mm. That's how we we held up humanity. There is a a linguistic lineage to story that I think is sacred to people. And I think when you tap into a big theme, it's why it feels monumental. It's why a a movie or an episode of a show can really hit the zeitgeist Mm -hmm. because it's touching something so much bigger than just what it's about. And words are epically meaningful yeah
3: Mm.
0: and then when somebody goes eh you're online who cares it's just how it is no it matters Mm. words matter the way we dialogue with people yes it matters and and i think the more of us that can acknowledge that Mm -hmm. and yes to any young person who's suffering like everybody suffers it Mm -hmm. and it's okay but also I think you have to, the thing that I try to remind myself of is I have never spoken to somebody's face like that.
3: Mm.
0: People would not speak to your face like that. So much of bullying, you know, when we were in school and like there weren't Twitter pages and Facebook pages to do this stuff on, like what was it? Like secret notes. Someone would slide in your locker and be like, you're this, that, and the other horrible thing. They still really didn't have the courage to say it to your face. Oh yeah, no. There's an insidiousness to hate that light likes to be secret. It's well, slimy. That,
1: thank you for saying that, honestly, mm-hmm. because I, I think it's what's missing, for me politically right now. And I've mm-hmm. considered it. You know, I've had uh, political aspirations, possibly in ten or fifteen years. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't. There's nothing about politics I like, and that's why I want to run.
3: Same. Um, <laughs>
1: But I, I've never seen a, a, a high level politician on a national scale ever stand up. Obama did it a couple of times, would ever stand mm-hmm. up and say, I don't know the answer to that. Mm -hmm. or be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. I I think it's missing the humanness because Mm -hmm. there is this, and I get where they are too because every political advisor on the planet is saying you have to be impenetrable Mm -hmm. and no matter what they ask you in a debate, you need to know something about it even if you need to make it up. Mm -hmm. But I would love for somebody to ask me about foreign policy and me to say, you know what, that's not my strong suit. I'm passionate about it, but I've got these people behind me that know a lot. Just like you, to Mm -hmm. to say I'm an advocate and I don't have it all figured out. Some days Mm -hmm. it keeps me up at night Mm -hmm. and sometimes it hurts. Mm That would make me want to be an advocate to mm. know that there's not this picture of perfect that you no. have to have all the answers Ugh. and you have to know what you're doing.
0: God, I hate perfect. It's I like just such a disservice to the human spirit. It is. I've never once like gone, ooh, today's the day I have the perfect everything. I gave up on thinking there would be that day. I just mm. don't care. Mm. And like buy two sizes in your favorite pair of jeans and call it a day. Mm. Like <laughs> just love yourself a little more. It's not that important. Yeah. Mm. I think the the lifelong thing, at least for me, is learning how to assign the proper size to all this stuff. Mm. The the thing that deserves to be the size of the Godzilla in my movie is my group of friends. Mm. The thing that can be a screaming toddler is some dick-headed internet troll. And, like, the thing that society tells me that because, like... I am not in the best shape of my life on every given day. I'm worthless. Mm. The the beauty myth is meant to destroy women, to keep us small, to keep us focused on the wrong things so that we're not all running Fortune 500 mm. companies, to keep us competing with each other, and really just to make us buy stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't think I want to play into that. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. It's not that I feel magically better today than I did yesterday, but I'm going to let it be a toddler and I'm going to focus on the big guys.
3: Yeah.
0: And I think one of our, what I love about our friend group too is,
2: and we all say this to each other, which I love, like when we say out loud the story that we might be t- saying in our head, the mm. insecurities, we'll look at each other and be like, don't talk about my
0: friend like that. Yeah. I remember when I told you Jojo yes. said that to me.
2: One game changer. Yes, it's huge. It's mm-hmm. like we can be the voice of reason. like here's a story I'm saying right now to myself mm-hmm. like last year uh, we both had just recently gone through breakups and it opens up past wounds, past hurts, past insecurities. it's just it makes you raw and we had this incredible week that was really heavy but beautiful and we all sat and spoke truth to each other. It's so important. It's so important. The voices that we need to listen to are the people that are walking alongside of us. Mm-hmm. And that's what I have to remind myself. Like, even if they think I'm so great, I'm like, you don't know everything. There are mm-hmm. some real shitty sides of me. You know, like mm-hmm. if people put you
0: up too much Yeah, or we too, all have that. We all, I'm like, you have never been on a road trip with me and heard me scream at people from the inside <laughs> of my own quiet car. <laughs> mm. You have right. no idea. Like, it, and I think
2: that brings... That's health. Like that brings balance mm-hmm. to have people that walk alongside and don't see you in this Pollyanna ish light of everything's perfect. We mm. know. We know each other.
0: We know. But that's where I think perfect comes from. For me, It's like, I don't need you to look perfect. I don't need to think you've never had a bad day. I don't need to think you like everybody. Mm -hmm. Here's the irony. I want the world to be the most magical place. And I really believe that there's a way that we can take care of everybody. And also I want to punch people in the face, like pretty on the reg. (laughs) I'm just like, you got to be kidding me. And yeah, yeah, when strangers, like I've been on TV for 15 years, when strangers come up to me now and touch my body, I'm like, no, Mm -hmm. no, none of it matters they don't care. Mm-hmm. You can say something really nice and maybe you'll win me over like 10% back from where I am now and I'll be like that was actually lovely. You have a good day. I'll have a good day. Thanks. But like mm-mm. Yeah. when a person is willing to violate your personal space because they feel entitled to your time, mm. I'm like no. I have no I have nothing to give that entitlement of yours. Yeah. And it took me a long time to get there. Yeah. And I'm actually not sorry. I broke my own back for so long trying to make everybody happy. And some days now, I'm like, no, I don't have time for that. Yeah. No. Yeah. And there is a power in knowing where to give your yeses. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, it's huge.
0: You know, and,
2: and where to give your no. Yes, but like, that's
0: the thing. It's mm-hmm. like if mm-hmm. I really want to say yes to this, I gotta say no to some other things. Right. I can't do it. Comes it at, at, all. at a cost.
2: Yeah. yeah. I love that. And you have, you've also taught me a lot about boundaries and piggybacking Mm -hmm. about the voice to speak out against things. It's also helped me have a better, um, I'm, I feel freer to say no, especially in like business things. You've taught Mm -hmm. me a lot. Oh, yeah. I don't like
0: when people ask you to do things just because they know that you're nice. I'm like, no, she's not going <laughs> to so <you're>, do
2: that. <laughs> I love it when um, when we actually, when I spoke at OnSite um, mm-hmm. for you in London after it was so sweet and when I was talking to people and after like an hour and a half or something, Sophia stepped up and was like-
1: An hour and a half after?
2: Oh, we were there for a long long time. time. Yeah. And she stepped up. She's like, all right, guys, I need her to sit down, and I need to get her some food. So you have two minutes each. Like, you just stepped in and, like, took care of me. Yeah. And it meant so much because I'm not as good yet at doing that, especially in those kind of scenarios, because mm-hmm. I know people just want to be heard and I, and I want to give mm-hmm. that to them. But it's also like, it does come at a really steep cost on my body. And
0: but there's also a reality to where you have to begin setting boundaries of self-care right? for, totally. your, for who you are, because for when to you be are the one person who everyone wants to be heard by, You can't carry that load. Mm. And I suffer that, too, because I do want to hear people. But what I actually want is to empower people to know that they deserve to be heard. Mm. I'm like, you don't need me. That's like figurehead weird stuff. Mm. You know, it's like we were just watching Wild Wild Country. And it's like when you become the guru, like, no, that's not it. I mean, either. At all. And it's like there is a reality that the teacher is supposed to give you the tools, but then you have to go out there and use them. Right. And that night was interesting because we were there, and, and there were so many lovely humans there who were chatting with both of us. But it's easier for me after – it. And it took me a long time after, you know, 15 years to say, like, okay, gotta, this is now where we stop – and it, it was. I mean, we were pushing an hour and a half. It was late. We hadn't had dinner. And I, and y'all I know were you. And you waiting on me.
2: So there's other people. But I
0: know you well enough to know when you're in pain. Like regardless of the fact, look, there were a bunch of our friends there who were waiting and that's fine. But I can see when you start to breathe a little differently and when you like roll one of your shoulders and I'm like, we're going. She's, we're going. Because if you were my four-year-old child, I would never allow for everyone in the room to take your energy to the point that it made you exhausted.
1: Amen to that.
0: And we have to learn to love ourselves that way. It's like, there's a line of people, you're all beautiful, I want the world for you, but I can't give it to you. Mm -hmm. You have to go home and give it to yourself. Mm -hmm. I have to go give it to myself right now. I have to feed my body, I have to put my body to sleep. I have to respect my existence, yeah. and and I think it's hard but important that in whatever sense of a public life you lead, that you begin to respect your existence enough to know that you cannot possibly give a piece of yourself to everyone who wants it, because mm-hmm. there would be nothing left. Yeah, and you can mm. you can say those things I think with love. Mm. Yeah, and you know, what I'm, I'm down sorry. to jump in and love you in a room. I'm like, she's leaving. Y'all are perfect. Mm. I feel very, like, that just brought emotion up. I mean, I feel very
2: um, cared for and also, like, protected, Mm. you know? Because I do, like, I try really hard not to... Show my pain visibly, mm. but you know me so well mm. that you know it. you can look at me and know that I'm done, even if I'm not saying it, or, and I'm trying to still show up. You know, and that makes me feel so seen. Like Amber's the same way; she can look at me and be like, "Okay, you ready to go home? Let's go." We're going, <laughs> yeah. And but there's not many people that know because it's subtle. I don't. I try really hard. I mean, that that's intentional. I don't mm. want people to look at me and be like, "Oh, she's suffering," you know. Yeah. But. I mean, there's certain things I can't hide, but you'd have to know. Mm -hmm. And not many people know that. So that makes me feel really loved.
0: I do love you. I feel it.
1: What's the most meaningful thing in your life right now?
3: Mm.
0: The unknown. It's a really scary and also invigorating thing to just not know. Mm.
1: I think... And most people, especially at the top of their game, never create margin to take a deep dive and figure out what parts of their narrative deserve to be looked at and rewritten or written mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. And you did that. You stepped away. And now you're saying the most meaningful thing is actually not knowing. Mm-hmm. That is so beautiful. So beautiful. What do you find yourself crying over the most?
0: Unjust pain. Whether it's things I've been subjected to that haven't been fair or looking at the ways people have been subjected to things that are unfair
3: Mm.
0: i've been trying to do some body work because i think talk therapy is incredibly important but also the way that we hold you know pain trauma all all of those emotions in our physical body is so intense Mm -hmm. and i've been seeing this great woman here in la and she really opened something up for me and i was like oh man I've known that that was in there and I never had a clue how I was going to let it out. And it just came and it made me realize how long it had been since I'd actually physically cried. I get mm. like teary eyed all yeah. the time because everything is, is touching to me. But um, it, was, mm. it was a really powerful thing to, to like truly mm. weep.
3: Mm. At least, yeah,
0: you know, and and from in the body, mm. like like literally having my sort of the muscle of my diaphragm pulled mm. apart under my ribs. I mean, it was painful, wow. and it was also really important, yeah, because mm. um, you realize where you hold yourself and where you hold your tension. And I got so used to holding myself at the ready, like going into war every day, mm. and it um. It was nice to start undoing some of that physically. And, and the, other, the only other thing that's made me, I mean, weep recently was the day that Stefan Clark's autopsy results came, were released. Mm-hmm. I just, I was like, I don't, I don't know how we got here. Yeah. I don't know how we got here. I don't know how we become a society that debates whether or not a man deserved to be shot in the back eight times. I do not know how we got here. And and I just realized that it hit something. I thought about his family. I thought about his little kids. Mm. I, I like, think about his wife's face, Mm -hmm. his girlfriend's face. I don't know if they're married or not. Mm -hmm. And then I had this really profound experience just on this past Wednesday. I was in New York, and it was the 50th anniversary of uh, Dr. King's assassination. And I went to... uh, I went up to Harlem for this series of speeches that were being given. And there was then a march and the whole thing was organized by, it was like community organizers up in Harlem and black lives matter. And we did this march across Harlem to the church where he'd spoken exactly a year before he died up there. And there was this massive celebration of his life. And, um, the head of the church spoke, and the governor spoke, and a rabbi spoke, and um, the man who runs the Hindi temple in that area spoke, and choirs performed. And I mean, it just went on and on. And there were readings of his speeches and recordings playing of his speeches. And it was this beautiful day. And I thought so much about this article I'd read that morning that Jesse Jackson wrote about how America hates marchers, but loves martyrs. Mm. And how at the time of his death, Dr. King was widely hated, but now he's celebrated because he was doing everything right. Mm -hmm. And he was pushing us to a better future. And Reverend Jackson was referencing Colin Kaepernick and the students from Parkland Mm -hmm. and about how they're just being so attacked and vilified, but they're all on the right side of history. They're all having bigger conversations about the way that human beings deserve to live safely. Mm -hmm. And it reminded me, it reminded me why the two times I'd wept in the week before were so important because I was reminding myself that I deserve to live safely. Mm -hmm. And I was feeling anguish for another person who was not granted the the right to live safely. Mm -hmm. And it was like, it was sort of this big aha moment, you know? I was like, thank you, Queen Oprah, for like pointing out when I come to a point. And (laughs) I just went, ah, this is the work. Hmm. Mm. You know, this is the work. Yeah.
1: With whom do you breathe the deepest?
0: Mm. Mm. That makes me emotional. Um, Mm. I breathe the deepest with Ruthie with Nia, with Babs, mm. um, with Jenny and Vanessa, I breathe the deepest. I think with my with my women, mm. and that's not to say I don't breathe very deeply with a lot of the wonderful men in our lives. I mean, but I do think there is an exhale, and I do think there is such a a healing that happens in sisterhood.
3: Mm-hmm. And
0: especially because generationally and historically so much gets put on to women that just doesn't get put on to men, that it's nice to be in a room with people who just know. Because all the men in our lives are curious and they say, tell me about your experience. How can I serve you as a male ally? How can I protect you? What do I need to watch for when we're in a crowd? You know, because they don't know. And there is a, a grace that comes with being around people who know, who know, and who just see it. Mm-hmm. And I think both, and yeah, are and a, very important.
1: And a message of gratitude you have for your community. It's kind of cool that one of them are here. But mm.
0: I'm just so grateful to be part of a community where. The hard conversations are never off the table. Come on. But there is so much laughter. Oh my we are silly oh my as God. shit. Irreverent. <laughs> <laughs> but then, you know, then we go to marches and we do political work. And, yes. and we, sh- I mean, we show up and we do things that are hard. Mm-hmm. You know, I lost someone very important to me years ago. And three carloads of friends mm-hmm. did the drive up to the Bay Area for that funeral with me. Three carloads of friends. We're like, let's go. We go together.
3: Mm.
0: We show up on on the on the darkest days, but we also like, we just giggle a we lot. We laugh so much. That's and one of my
2: favorite. I mean, like <laughs> I've laughed harder in this career, like where I'm hurting from mm-hmm. laughing so hard. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have this really full, beautiful life and a career and community and family. What would you say is missing? Or is there anything Mm. missing?
0: It's so hard because, again, I think from the outside, like everything kind of looks like it's in order. Mm. I don't feel like I have it all. I feel like I've done some cool things. There's also been a million jobs I wanted that – I didn't get to do either because I was working on something or because I just didn't book the job. Um, you know there there's all these other things that are sort of still on my list,
3: mm-hmm.
0: so i don't I don't know what's missing, but I know there are other things that are goals and that I don't feel satisfied.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I feel happy a lot. Mm-hmm. That's not a consistent either. You know, happiness is a journey. It's not mm. a destination. But I don't know what it is. I think that that's part of this sort of new path of, of some discovery and of choosing to take more ownership of what comes next. Mm. Um, I think that's what will maybe be revealed, you know. I don't know yet, but I'm excited about that.
2: Okay, first off.
0: Tell them what you're looking at. What is this photo of? Oh, my God. So this is a picture of me in my parents' backyard at our first house, which was on Fifth Street in L.A., in this amazing yellow and white, like, sun chair, this folding chair, which I'm so pissed they didn't save. (laughs) I'm like, this is so 80s chic, and we don't have these anymore. so good. And, like, an oversized Mickey Mouse sweatshirt and yellow sunglasses. And I... I think I'm eating ice cream, but I don't know what that is in my other hand. Just stoked. Like, look how happy that kid is. I mean. Jazzed on life. I am a sunshine kid. I need to be in the sun.
2: Yes. <laughs> I love that. One of the questions that we like to ask is,
0: as a child,
2: what was the one thing that you like, you really feel like you needed to hear that you never heard?
0: Gosh. Gosh don't know. I heard a lot of good things as a kid. I think for me, the thing that was impactful and the thing that I'm working on unpacking as an adult is that the verbiage didn't always fit in or match up with the action. Mm. And so my mom and I, I remember, had this big debate when I was in high school, and. Cause she she had and I get it you know especially as I as I get older and she and I really click into this sort of new phase in our relationship where we're both truly adults. Um, I think about the anxiety that must exist when you are the parent of an outgoing and sweetly naive, optimistic human who is so unaware, like. I remember we got in this big fight, and I said, "You tell me that you're proud of me, and you tell me that I'm smart, and you tell me that you trust me, and you don't treat me that way. Mm. You don't, you don't believe me, and you, you say da da da." And we just got into this whole thing, and she couldn't believe it because her fear was manifesting in her acting in these ways that made me feel judged. Mm. And made me feel less than.
3: Mm.
0: And and she's like, but I think the world of you. And I had to look at her and say, but you don't act like it. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you think if you don't say it. It doesn't mm. matter what you believe if you don't act on it. Mm. And I think that some of that is probably what taught me to speak a lot. Mm. And to show up. I mean, physically show up a lot. Like to march a lot. <laughs> because... It was so impactful to me to have um, action feel like it came from a place of, now I know, fear. Mm. But when I was young, I just was like, I I don't know what I'm ever going to do to be enough for you guys. Mm. Because I do all these things and still. And they were so flabbergasted, my parents, just like, what do you mean you don't think we think you're enough? And I'm like, well... You do this, that, and the other. And they're like, oh, but we always tell you what we think. And I, it was this sort of cycle of of learning about communication versus behavior. And then also learning to find grace for why people behave the way they do. They behave the way they do because they care, because they have fear, because they have their own experiences that live in their body in those pain points and in that inherited trauma mm. and whatever.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So it's like cerebrally you go, okay, I get it. But emotionally your inner 16-year-old is like, you guys always made me feel like I just wasn't doing enough for you. Mm. Um, so. I think
1: that's an important message for a lot of 16-year-olds. Because mm. it, it is, I was the same way. I was tough on my parents. Mm. And I'm not saying you were, but I, if you're making up a story in your head, ask them.
3: Mm-hmm. I didn't
1: ask them until I was in my 30s. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would love to have done it at that age. Mm -hmm. What's a message that you would have for her now?
0: Oh, man. I think I would just want her to know that being bold is okay. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: And yeah, not everybody's going to like you, and that's okay. You don't have to be for everyone. We talk about this all the time. Like, anyone who you are too much for is just not not your your person. person. (laughs) Those are just not our people. people. I'm like, okay. That's yeah. cool. Mm. That's right. You do you. Yeah.
2: Um, to never shrink yeah. for anyone. I love that so much. Like, I don't see you shrinking. I see you getting stronger mm. and more bold. And and then, like, yeah, if that is intimidating to a guy,
0: like, update that's not your dude. <laughs> like, like your, your dude, your friend, your, your friend, coworker, that's right. whatever. Mm. That's like, right. And I do think especially... And I know that boys struggle with this stuff too. And Mm. I do think it's really important to highlight that we don't often talk, or we don't talk enough about what male vulnerability looks like and why it should be celebrated. Mm. We don't talk about the fact that boys are sensitive and we beat that sensitivity out of them. And then we wonder why boys grow up and they beat people. It's like, we do it to them emotionally. And then they often grow up and do it physically. I mean, we have a domestic violence problem, not only in this country, but around the world. And it's, it's no wonder why. We're not giving boys the tools to communicate. Right. And, and so when I see how much they struggle, I then think about how we also don't support those things in girls. And we tell them to be nice, calm down, be less loud, be quiet, yeah. be pretty. Yep. and Small. and we shrink them we shrink little girls forever
3: mm-hmm.
0: and I know from personal experience there's only so long that you can have people try to shrink you and sometimes have people literally physically try to force you to be smaller and you're like I mean I just I had it it was like the thing that was it's like I got compacted they packed me in and I was like you're building a bomb and you don't even know <laughs> 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 jokes on you <laughs>
1: That's You're amazing.
0: Yeah. I was like, keep packing me down here. This is <laughs> going to be real fun.
1: But, and I, I just have to say, I'll finish it the way we started it. And I know you may want to do the same. Um, we've covered a lot of ground. And <laughs> I think we got the... Did
0: we get to your question, though? Because you you said you really wanted to get into something. And I know we can get to telling you know stories, and they're all great. But did we get into what you wanted to get into?
1: I do want people to know the humanness of you. And I think you've touched on that Mm -hmm. in a pretty significant way. Mm -hmm. If there is something that we don't know yet about Mm. who is the woman behind the intellect and the activist and the uh, artist, who is that? I think you've shared it pretty well, honestly. I think it's going to come together nicely. But is there something else you'd want us to know about you that people don't? It could be about your struggles and fears or your joy or all of it.
0: Mm. I, I think it's just that there's a lot of both. There's a lot of joy and also a lot of a lot of fear. There's a lot yeah. of anxiety. You know, I I wonder every day if I'm doing enough or if I am enough and I also know that I'm wicked smart and I really give a shit and that mm-hmm. it's genuine and and I think there's a I think real life comes in understanding that those go hand in hand that you can know yourself and doubt yourself. Yeah. Come on. It's funny when you say, like, who's the person behind? And you said three things. You said the... Oh, you said, who's the person behind the intellect, the activist, and the actress? I love the order you chose, first of all. Thank you. Flattered. (laughs) Also, on the other side of the, like, hee-hee, I was like, oh, shit. I don't know how to answer that question. I don't know. Mm. I don't know if I know what's at the core Mm. of me. I, I just know... I know that I listen more. Mm-hmm. I know that I beat myself up less. I know that I'm a good person who also fails all the time. Yes. And and that's kind of it, you know. You're I, covered in grace. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, it's like. I, you have to just, you have to love yourself. Yeah. And and I had a friend who said that to me many, many years ago, this wonderful woman named Jojo Stevens, who I worked with in Wilmington and I was having one of those days, and I was sitting in her chair. She was our hairdresser, and she was she's just this exceptional woman who's kind of like everybody's like the auntie you always wish you'd had. And she spun me around in the chair and grabbed me by the shoulders, and she said, watch your mouth. You are talking about one of my best friends that way. Mm. And I went, ooh, why haven't we ever been taught to – speak of ourselves the way we speak of our favorite people, because mm-hmm. our favorite people love us, yeah. so we must be worth loving. Why have we never been taught to take care of our physical bodies and our energy in the way that we would take care of our own child? There are these big lessons, I think, that are missing, and, and the more we can get to them and talk about them and own them, the more I think we make it okay for other people to do it too. Yeah. And that feels like the big goal. Mm. That feels like something that feels like purpose. Yeah. You know, well, I love it.
1: one of my favorite people and good friends, Brene Brown, she says that mm, people are hard her. to hate. Yeah, she is. People are hard to hate up close. And I think people are hard Mm. to misunderstand up close and easy Mm. to love up close. Mm. And so I wish everybody could get the chance to sit three feet away from you and (laughs) look into your eyes and hear your heart. I feel a lot of love. I feel a lot of grace. And I feel like I'm talking to somebody who's standing firm in her divinity.
0: Mm. Oh, I love that, standing (laughs) firm in her divinity. Uh. (laughs) That's a wild thing, isn't it, to start? And even if it lasts for a second, like when you think about the divinity in you and you get just that little like tinkle, twinkle of fairy dust, Mm. even if it lasts for a second, it's like there it is. There's a reason that every religion in the world has talked about grace and love and loving your neighbors and anything outside of those messages is missing the point and Come on. and That'll anything preach. yeah mm-hmm. like anything outside of that is is blowing it mm-hmm. and and when people use faith to attack others oh, i'm like god. oh my god you are yeah. missing the point
3: yeah
0: totally and oh i just love that that idea that you can really be present to the thing in you that is sacred if mm-hmm. you just give yourself a second to do it and you just did that for me so thanks thank you oh. We love you so much. <laughs> Thank you, sister. I love you guys. You're a
2: gift. You're a gift to me. You're a gift to this world. You're a gift to our community. And I'm just so honored to live this life with you. Thank I love you. love you. Sharing this time with us mm-hmm. in this space. You're the Thank dream.
3: Thank you. Make up fake love, make them all laugh. Come on, someone, take off your neck. It's nice to me.
2: Thank you guys so much for being here with us today. We know that your time is valuable, so it just means the world to us that you would spend your time and energy with us. The music from our podcast is from one of my favorite bands, Oliver Riot, and the song is called Alcatraz, and it is from their EP, Hallucinate. And I just cannot speak highly enough about these boys. They have a new record coming out soon, and you should check them out. They're amazing
1: definitely go get their music wherever you can get it. They are amazing and you're going to love them as much as we do. If you want to learn more about The Unspoken Podcast, please go to theunspokenpodcast.com for show notes and information about the guest and please follow us on Instagram at The Unspoken Podcast. We'd also love for you to subscribe to the podcast and help us spread the news and share this because we cannot wait to show you what's up next and we will be with you all again soon.